podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys are back, and it is time for another Bosco's Boys podcast. It's been a while uh, with the, with the pre-record of the Mother's Day episode. Uh, did the Q and A show um, a while back. It's been a while since I've been on the mic. You know, the uh, grand idea of me taking. Oh, thank you, Chauncey. Uh, the grand idea of me taking a little bit of time off has not come to fruition. There's a chance we still could be uh, pre-recording some episodes, but you know, I had like a nice little, uh, what, 18, 19 day uh, break from recording. Uh, That was nice. Uh, Luckily, hey, there's been a lot of news, uh, especially, you know, the last couple weeks. uh, We'll we'll talk about today, we're going to talk about the Chris Kleiman uh, extension. We're going to talk about the two latest transfers in for the K-State football team. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, my disdain for the Big J journalists covering college football as it relates to uh, some realignment news or some non-news. I don't know. It depends on what you want to call it with the ACC uh, and some K-State basketball news. So loaded show, truly a loaded show. uh, And I'm pumped to do it before we get into it. Uh, you know them, you love them, uh, Manhattan Brewing Company. First off, I am pumped seeing all the people tweet at the show, tweet at Manhattan Brewing Company about them finding and buying the beer out here in the Kansas City and Lawrence metros. Now, it's been in Manhattan. It's been in Topeka. It's been in Wichita. It's been across this great state of ours. I'm just so glad it is now here in the Kansas City Metro and behind enemy lines in Lawrence. They have all the greatest beer you could ever want. So when you go into your liquor store the next time, just politely ask, but firmly ask, hey, where's your Manhattan Brewing Company beer? So be sure to pick it up in your local liquor store. And then when you're in the happiest city in the world, in the happiest place in America, Manhattan, Kansas, be sure to go into the tap room, go right there to the brewery where they are making the beer. They always have a ton of great beers on tap. I don't think I've ever gone in there. They've had less than 10 beers on tap. They also have a fully stocked bar with signature cocktails, and they always have fun events going on over there. So go to downtown Manhattan on Points Avenue, check out Manhattan Brewing Company the next time you're there, and make sure you're following them on Instagram and Twitter so you can stay up to date with their special releases, with their different collaborations, and all the fun events they have going on out there. Will Chris Kleiman have a beer? I mean, he just signed a six-year deal, and let's talk about that because uh, I think there's a few points about his contract Uh, that are very interesting. First, let's let's just kind of get the accounting stuff out of the way. It's a six-year deal. The average over the six years is going to come to $5.5 million. He's going to start off at $4.5. It's going to reach up to $6.5 million. And again, that's a six-year deal. Now, before you get to some of the uh, other stuff, uh, it's going to cost a lot more to fire him than it will for him to leave. Um, and, and I'm going to get into some of the buyout uh, structure a little bit later. Uh, but that five and a half year uh, uh, average salary, five and a half uh, million a year average salary, that's going to put him near the top of the Big 12 in its current iteration. And when Oklahoma and Texas leave, I mean, I, I think that's around a similar 
uh, salary that Brent Venables is getting. It's under what Steve Sarkeesian's going to, but he's going to be uh, at least amongst public schools. You don't get to find out what those uh, private school coaches are making, but amongst the private or public schools, I think it's him and Gundy. Uh, that that this uh, salary, while this year he's going to be below Lance Leipold, uh, his accelerations are much bigger. His average over his current co- contract, I think, is a full half million more. Um, you know, he's going to reach that six and a half uh, million max. And then every eight win season under this current contract, that's an extra year at that max salary. So if K State does what I think we're all hoping they're going to do, uh, which is have another uh, decent season. Um, and we'll actually talk a little bit about some of the initial overs and unders that were posted as well. Uh, I think we're all going to expect kind of a auto renew, which is average salary is going to go up and he's still going to have those six years. Now I, I saw some brustling, uh, some folks kind of, uh, looking at the structure of some of the buyouts and how expensive it would be for K state to move on from Chris Kleiman and how, uh, when you look at some of these other contracts out there, how relatively inexpensive it would be for Chris Kleiman to leave. Um, I, I think some folks kind of looked at that and scratched their heads. And there's another uh, part of his salary, which we'll touch on here in a second. But when you look at what he is making, and when you compare it specifically to what Nebraska is paying Matt Rule, and I think I think we kind of touched on it. We whispered about it um, on this show. Um, ever since the Nebraska coaching search has uh, wrapped up, and even Chris Klein kind of hinted at some of the stuff uh, during his one of his spring press conferences, Nebraska went all in after him. They went after him uh, pretty hot and heavy. And I think when you look at uh, K-State, I don't think I, – I think that K-State is going about things in the athletic department a very fiscally responsible way while still trying to be competitive with our peer schools, while still trying to be near the top of the Big 12 when our coaches deserve it. You're not going to be able to compete salary dollar-wise – with Big Ten schools, with SEC schools. So what K-State did and how they structured it was to give extra security, extra assurances to Chris Kleiman to make up for that amount. Now, I think he wants to be here, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you have an agent, (laughs) they're going to really uh, kind of put your feet to the fire where they can. I'm not faulting. Chris Kleiman for that. I'm not faulting his agent for that. There's nothing wrong with them getting the buyout language like they got in there. And the big one that really rose eyebrows when it was reported, his buyout goes from, you know, uh, a higher number, I think like six to $8 million, depending on when he were to hypothetically leave down to $1 million if Gene Taylor or even President Dick Linton decides to leave. Now, I, I don't think Dick Linton is going anywhere. He is he, He's just recently been hired. Uh, he's a relatively young guy when you look at, uh, you know, the upper levels of academia. I'm not worried about that one. Now, Gene Taylor is in his 60s. Um, is he going to bk states ad for the next 8 10 15 years i would doubt it i i would imagine that chris Kleiman is going to have 10 to 15 years left in his coaching career i don't think gene taylor has another 10 to 15 years uh as an athletic director so that really gives Kleiman some leverage when the time comes for a new athletics director. Kleiman said in the season, he's not going anywhere because he has Gene Taylor. He has that great relationship. I don't have any issue with that association, with that buyout stuff in there. 
ultimately, I think K-State has their coach for the next decade, for the next 15 years, for as long as Chris Kleiman wants to coach. Um, he just wanted those assurances because as long as we have it uh, the way we want it as fans, and I'm sure as Chris Kleiman will want it as his career, he will still be here. His coaching career will still be going on after Gene Taylor decides to hang it up again, whether it's, you know, three, five, 10, 15 years down the road, there's a very good chance Chris Kleiman will still be here when Gene Taylor decides his time at K-State's done. And I think he will be uh, stepping away and he will be considered one of the best athletic directors K-State has ever had. That will become like, you know, one of the most important things a, uh, that, that athletic director hire is going to be is the working relationship with Chris Kleiman. And, you know, I, I'm sure when the time comes, I, I'm sure Jerome Tang is seeing that uh, stipulation in the contract because Jerome Tang's uh, extension is coming. It is on the way. I'm sure he is seeing that and also thinking, all right, I'm going to get that into my contract as well. Um, I get a little nervous if you're going to have two guys with that because then all of a sudden, uh, hey, you have to prioritize both of these guys loving the next AD hire. That's that's a little worrisome for me when you're going to have to please both of those guys uh, when the time comes uh, for Gene Taylor to retire. Well, hell, I mean, look, if that's the case, then Gene Taylor, hey, sorry, bud. I know you want to uh, enjoy life. You're going to have to uh, – you, you want to enjoy retirement one day. Sorry, man. Uh, you, we might have to have you, uh, you know, at the head of the ship until you're 80 if both of these guys want that stipulation in their contract. All in all, though, I, I truly believe with this contract and then – um, with what I believe is going to be a pretty uh, big say in whoever his next boss is uh, down the line whenever it happens. I, I do think Chris Kleiman is going to be the coach at K-State uh, for forever, really. Um, look, I think two of the only three jobs, maybe there's a fourth job out there. Um, both of them were open this past offseason. Uh, Chris Kleiman, uh, as his star was ascending, the only three jobs, and, and I'll throw a fourth in that might worry me, was Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, which could still be happening down the road, and maybe Minnesota. Nebraska got their guy. Uh, I, I don't. I have no idea if Matt Rule is going to work. I'm a Matt Rule fan. I hope he fails. Uh, but they got their guy. Uh, Wisconsin got an absolute stud. Uh, and I, and it doesn't look like PJ flex going anywhere anytime soon. So really the eyes are on Iowa city is the last true threat, uh, to Chris Kleiman's career here at K state. And honestly, I, I just don't, I, I think we're going to be able to, uh, go straight from Bill Snyder 2.0 to having the rest of Chris Kleiman's career. And, and I can't explain how, rare it is or how great it is that we were able to make that transition. I'm looking forward to, you know, another 10, 15 years of Chris Kleiman football and uh, I'm over the moon about it. So I love that contract extension. I'm glad it's finally done. I'm glad it's finally done. I was never worried about it, but I'm glad it is in the books, official Penta paper. Uh, speaking of Chris Kleiman's team, he grabbed, I think he, he, he wanted to add three more guys during this uh, summer period before fall camp starts up or preseason camp uh, because Kellis Robin out of the Kansas City Star hates calling it fall camp when it starts in like July and August. Uh, so preseason camp. Uh, they had two defensive backs. Uh, first one from SEMO, a cornerback, Tyler Neelam, and uh, Daniel Cobbs, a safety out of Tyler Community College. I think that they came into this post-spring period um, and, and with Omar Daniels leaving, he, he lands at uh, Georgia Tech. I think they decide, hey, we need to just solidify the depth for 
both safety and cornerback uh, before preseason camp starts up. Now, I, I think the starters are pretty entrenched at both corner and safety. I think both of these guys being brought in are luckily they're they're both multi-year guys. Tyler Neelam, he has two years left transferring up from SEMO. Daniel Cobbs coming from Tyler Community College or Junior College, uh, you know, the same place where Kobe Savage came from. He has three seasons left. So both of these guys are uh, not just one and done here at K-State. Uh, but, but I think both of these guys are going to solidify kind of the open spot on the two line in the depth chart, both at safety and at cornerback. Uh, but we, we all know how uh, great they've been finding defensive backs on the portal. Uh, who's to say that these two dudes won't come in and, uh, you know, hit the ground running in preseason camp and by big 12 play or by, uh, you know, or early November, you know, middle of October, these guys could be starting. They have been that good at identifying, developing, and teaching the concepts to these transfers. We've seen guys come in and make an immediate impact being uh, some of these spring transfers already before. So I'm pumped to have these two guys in there. Now, there probably is one more spot they want to fill. I think they have a handful of guys because we saw some transfers now outside of Omar Daniels. They all made sense. None of them were surprising. None of them were guys who were going to be uh, even on the depth chart outside of Omar Daniels. Uh, I think they want to add one more player. And then I think we'll probably see some walk-ons be put on scholarship. Uh, the catbacker tour is currently going on and Colin Klein was told or was saying uh, that he would like to add maybe one more wide receiver if the right guy came up. Uh, now, I like some of the young guys at wide receiver. Uh, I like that Phillip Brooks is coming back. I'm a massive R.J. Garcia fan. Um, so wide receiver wasn't necessarily at the top of my list, especially with Keegan Johnson coming in uh, with as little as they rotate that position. You know, I thought you are going to see Keegan Johnson, Phillip Brooks, and R.J. Garcia be your main three. And as we saw last year, unless there were injuries, there wasn't a lot of rotation. Now, I'm going to trust them. I'm a little surprised, but I I'm not against it. You find the right wide receiver. Um, and we have we saw, especially uh, once it was Will Howard, we saw the type of offense that Colin Klein wants to run. We saw the type of offense that Colin Klein wants to uh, call the play calls. Um, you add another dynamic pass catcher to go with those three guys. We all were planning on depending on at wide receiver along with Ben Sennett at tight end. Uh, things could be looking good. I I'm excited to see year two of the Colin Klein offense. I'm not anticipating it looking like drastically different from what we saw down the stretch, but again, another year of Will Howard. And, and you know, what's wild about Will Howard. This is going to be the first time he's coming in to preseason camp as quarterback one, but this is his third straight spring where he has been the guy you had Skyler coming off of his injury a couple years ago. You had Adrian, excuse me, coming off of his injury last year. Now he gets to be the undisputed guy at quarterback, getting everyone ready for the season. I, I think that there's a very real chance, and I know it was a popular thing. We'll, we'll touch on this a little bit more in July before media days, uh, Big 12 media days down in uh, Arlington, Texas. Not sure if I'm going to go. Um I probably will fill out a ballot. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, I'll have to decide. Um, but I think K-State fans are all feeling the Will Howard hype, as we should. As we should. But I, I remember at the end of last season, and, and you'll hear it occasionally, oh, who's going to be the Big 12 preseason All-Big 12 guy? And Oh, it has to be Will Howard and all this type of stuff. I I think you can make a great argument that Will Howard should be the preseason All-Big 12 
quarterback when you take into account the level of success last year, the ability to raise the ceiling. Uh, but I don't think that he is going to be. I, I, I think uh, – and, and you, you're starting to see some of these lists come out from the different magazines, the different podcasts and all that type of stuff. Uh, you, you see a lot of Quinn Ewers love. You see a lot of Daniel Gabriel love. You see a lot of Jalen Daniels love, uh, you know, out of Lawrence. I, I, I don't think – Will Howard is going to be the preseason all big 12 uh, quarterback. But when you look at everything at the end of next season, I legitimately think that he has the best shot to be the first team, all big 12 quarterback, uh, you know, since Colin Klein, I, I am so bullish on this offense and what he will be able to do after we saw that massive jump he took last year, uh, especially if he gets another pass catcher in there, I'm pumped. Folks, I am I'm absolutely pumped. We're almost 100 days out. Uh, the offseason, I mean, uh, the offseason sucks. You know, we're, we're still recording this in May. It's still May. Um, but I, I, I'm just counting down the days. Uh, to see Will Howard back out there slinging the rock. And if you would have told me that last year, I I would have slapped you across the face and called you crazy. Um, so I, I'm just – I'm super pumped uh, for year two under Colin Klein. But going back to the defense, uh, solidifying that depth, um, folks, you look at it, and I know there's some questions. And I think the questions uh, around – the second well, and really it's the secondary and the defensive line because you're returning basically all your production at linebacker. Um, but you look at them and you have a little bit of worry. You have a little bit of anxiety because, Hey, you're at, you're, you're going to these guys at cornerback. Uh, okay. None of, neither of them had started at the power five level, uh, but we saw Parrish play absolutely big time last year will lee being approached by alabama you have kobe savage coming back there vj ping i pain coming back for his second season i think we're going to see siegel from north dakota state back there as well um i mean i i think i i just really think k-state is poised to have a big time season and, and i and Having those depth pieces filled in in the secondary, because you guys have heard me say you can never have enough guys in your secondary, especially in the Big 12, um, especially with the way that we've been developing defensive backs. Um, you know, depth was my only worry. I, I legitimately think uh, that, and it's not going to be as talented when you lose a first team all conference, the two time. Uh, defensive lineman of the year on defense, first round draft pick, all American. I don't think the top end talent is going to be there, but you have guys in in a depth and a level of talent uh, that we've seen flashes of. Every single guy we've seen flashes of uh, be absolutely big time, folks. I'm I'm just excited for the. I, I'm just pumped. I'm just pumped, and and that kind of goes into the next point I wanted to talk about as this is kind of a show that is all over the place. The initial overs and unders have been released. Now, I'll have a show where I, uh, I'll i probably predict out every single game in the Big 12 this season, and I will uh, give my overs and unders bets. That's going to be in August. I mean, we're, we're going to let things breathe for about two and a half, three months because these lines might move. But the initial number had K-State at eight and a half. I think one place had it at eight. Uh, one place might have had it at seven and a half. And none of the value is betting that over. Um, but the number is between that seven and a half, eight and a half mark. Now, when it initially opened, I think FanDuel was the first one to have it at eight and a half. That's the highest that number has been in the last decade, I believe. And... I think that just is showing the respect for the level of talent on this roster. 
I think a lot of it is respect for Chris Kleiman as a head coach. And I think it we're, we're coming to a realization that K-State very well could be one of the bell cows, one of the standard bearers for this conference when Oklahoma and Texas move on. Now, Oklahoma and Texas, neither one has, I mean, Texas hasn't won the conference in over a decade. Oklahoma has not won it. What they've lost. They haven't even made the last two championship games. Um, So you might be saying, well, Scott, you know, they haven't even been making it to Arlington. You know, Texas hasn't won one in over a decade. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think you're going to have to see one program kind of become the default. The program where, okay, if a generic sports talk guy is talking about the Big 12 in July, you know, generic sports talk guy out in uh, California, generic sports talk guy out in South Carolina, generic sports talk guy trying to throw together his way too early top 25 and way too early conference championship picks in April of 2027, you know, four years from now. It's so easy for those guys to just say Oklahoma. Oh, it's so easy for them to say, oh, Texas. It's Texas's year, all this type of stuff. I legitimately think, and this goes hand in hand with Chris Kleiman's extension. This goes hand in hand with another offseason where they have filled in their holes and kept all of the players from transferring away. I legitimately think there is a chance for K-State to become that standard bearer. Now, I don't think K-State will ever go on a run, which we saw during the prime of Snyder 1.0, where you had that unreal streak of 10 and 11 win seasons. I don't think we're going to have a, a, a run of time where we win five straight Big 12 titles or anything like that. Um, I, I, I don't I, I think the new Big 12 is going to be insanely competitive and uh, balanced. But I do think there is a very real chance that, hey, if, if, if someone just needs a placeholder at the top of the conference, I think that legitimately could be K-State. Now, not to anyone's surprise, Texas had the highest over under. I believe it was at nine and a half. Um, again, they're, they're going to Alabama in the non-conference. Uh, but when you look at their conference schedule, not insanely hard. I think they only leave Texas once the entire season. I think I have that right. I, I could be wrong. Um, and it's that game at Alabama. Uh, you know, Texas Tech might be able to give them a game. Um, but they, they have a pretty easy schedule. Oklahoma's also at nine and a half. And if you want to talk about easy schedule, folks, go look at Oklahoma's schedule. Now, I think they were supposed to play Georgia in the non-con, so I'm not going to trash them hardcore for their non-conference. Uh, I think that got rescheduled because, uh, you know, they're, they're going to uh, the SEC. So Georgia wasn't going to get that return game. I think it was supposed to be in Norman. But they have a Charmin soft non-con and they avoid K-State. I believe they avoid Texas Tech. They have a about as easy of a Big 12 schedule as possible. I, 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 I will tell you this right now. I will, if you told me, hey, Scott, you have the choice of Oklahoma and Texas playing in the Big 12 championship game or Kansas and Iowa State, I'm choosing KU and Iowa State, no questions asked. I desperately, desperately, desperately do not want, in either of their final years, Texas or Oklahoma making the Big 12 championship game. Um, And I think the Big 12 is kind of like, you know, when they're making the schedule, that they were trying to make those teams – uh, Oklahoma and Texas play some of the newer schools. Um, I think they accidentally kind of screwed ourselves by setting them up uh, for a possible collision course in Arlington, Texas, that first Saturday in December. Now, K-State's at eight and or eight point five, 
And then I think Texas Tech is the next one. So if K-State and Texas Tech have to, uh, you know, meet in Arlington, because I think we're going to Lubbock, Texas, which I, I think uh, that'll be a tough one. I, I'm a big believer in Texas Tech. Um, then so be it. Um, but I, I hate Iowa State. I really do not care for KU football, uh, especially, you know, since they're not trash anymore. Um, they become a lot more annoying. Um, we, we can't, we can't have Texas and Oklahoma, uh, doing anything. So I I don't know if Iowa state has either of those teams. I don't know if KU does either. I don't know. Haven't looked at all their schedules. Um, but I, I, I just don't want it. I'll, I'll be cheering for anyone over Texas and Oklahoma next year. Uh, but yeah, it, it will be interesting again. Uh, I think K-State and Texas Tech will kind of, not kind of, I think K-State and Texas Tech will be the only other teams that are picked as possible contenders for the Big 12 to go along with Oklahoma and Texas. I think Brett McMurphy, actually in one of his bowl projections, had Texas Tech winning the Big 12 already. So it will, it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, Let's move on. Um, this one, I, I probably, I say this, no, I'm just going to get into it. I have no long, no clue how long I will or won't rant about this. Um, but as folks know, um, if you're addicted to, uh, college football media, um, if you're on Twitter, we actually have some folks who don't. Um, but if you've been living under a rock or if you haven't been paying attention, the ACC had some news. And everyone knows when it comes to conference realignment, you know, they signed away their grant of rights until like 2036. And they did that like five, six years ago. They did it forever ago. Locked in. Boom. Well, allegedly, and according to some reporting, there's seven schools, the Magnificent Seven. I believe it is North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Miami, and Florida State. Those seven schools are looking for a way out of that grant of rights, whether it is to start their own new conference, a new ACC without some dead weight, whether it is wanting to go to the Big Ten or SEC or whatever. That's been the hot gossip over the last 10 days when it comes to conference realignment. And they were having their conference meeting uh someplace in Florida, I think, or maybe North Carolina. I'm not really sure. And the conference commissioner was talking to some media folks. And he was talking about how, oh, we're the third uh, highest revenue generating per school conference in the nation. Uh, we're all moving in the same direction, blah, 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 blah. And he, and he ran out that uh, phrase, ran out that talking point. Hey, we're number three when it comes to revenue. And I called it out when I saw it on Twitter. And then it was confirmed uh, a few days later when Brett McMurphy, he's always usually the guy who gets all the uh, per school payouts from the conferences and pointed out, he didn't point it out. He just presented the information. The big 12 for like the 10th straight year was the number three conference when it comes to revenue. The big 12 this past year was closer to, to the SEC than the ACC was to us. Now, <laughs> that's not going to be the case come next year. The SEC's TV deal will absolutely explode. Um, so this is the final year of that. And then I actually think, I'm not 100% sure how the payouts are going this upcoming season um, with the four new schools uh, because the Big 12 TV deal doesn't start until uh, 2024. So the ACC actually might have a leg up on the big 12 next year, but for the last 10 years, it's been the big 12 closer to the sec than the ACC is closer to the big 12. And this just goes along with my annoyance of the blue check, big J journalists covering college sports, covering college football, covering college basketball, because not a single person called out the ACC commissioner when he talked about being the number three conference, when it comes to revenue, uh, when they have, and we all know when it comes to actual results on 
the field, yes, they've had Clemson, good for you. Uh, but last year, in, in any year where Clemson is not in a national championship hunt, the Big 12, all the ratings, all the advanced stats, all the head-to-head, the Big 12 is in front of the ACC. And the Pac-12 isn't even close. So I, I, I just kind of wonder why the ACC commissioner goes unchecked. And I, I wonder why all these blue check big J journos continue to say, oh, what a tragedy it would be if the ACC broke up. Oh, think of all the history. Oh, this uh, college sports is uh, getting ruined. Ruined because the ACC might might break up. Oh, but what about the Pac-12? What about all the history? And, and it just takes me back to how they all reacted when Oklahoma and Texas were leaving the Big 12. When they all were saying, okay, it's time for the Mountain West and the American Conference to come in and finish the job and kill off the Big 12. When they're saying, oh, none of these other schools mean anything. Ignoring the history that the Big 12 has had. Because let's get real. The association between the member schools, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, K-State, KU, Iowa State, go back longer than anything in the Pac-12 did. Go back just as long as anything in the ACC. Texas's relationship with the Texas schools, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, go back just as long as anything that's going on in the ACC, Pac-12, and even SEC. All of that was ignored. You know, the talking points, oh, think about the non-revenue sports, all the athletes in the Pac-12 and the ACC, when their revenues go down, they might not be able to support those sports. None of that was talked about for the Big 12. Oh, what would happen to the Winston-Salem economy? What would happen to the Durham, North Carolina economy? What about Syracuse's economy if, if all of a sudden they're not playing major college sports? They weren't talking about what would happen in Stillwater, Lawrence, Ames, any of those places. So why is it? Why why does the tone t- change? And it all comes down, and, and I, I know I'm sounding like some hot mic shock jock, uh, you know, in this political climate. And I promise you, I'm, I'm not trying to do this song and dance. But it does come down to they don't give a shit about you. ESPN, their writers, The Athletic, the solid verbal, which I love. Some of these podcasts that I love and I've kind of come back to, I, I've come back to listening to a little bit more. They're still fainting and clutching their pearls at the idea of what will the Pac-12 do? What will the ACC do? Just woe is me. When they were all getting excited about Texas A&M and Texas Tech coming back all excited about Oklahoma going head to head in the ACC with Georgia and Alabama, not giving a second thought about the history, about what could be happening to these other schools. And it all comes down to, they don't give a shit. It's just flyover country and some small private schools in Texas. No representation in the media class from this area because all the journalists who stem from the Lone Star State, they all have their ties back to Texas and Texas A&M. You know, and every time something like this pops up, I get irate. I get pissed off. I even think back to Seren Petro in Kansas City talking about, well, would it really be a bad thing for KU in K-State, in Iowa State, in Oklahoma State to drop back to the American, to the Mountain West. And, oh, is it really going to be a bad thing? Because then they could be the big dogs and all this type of stuff. That's what the Kansas City local media is. They don't even look out for the best interests of those schools. And it just becomes every time something is going on with another conference, it just becomes more and more obvious that there is a literal disdain or they just don't give a shit 
and contradict themselves anytime they want to talk about long histories and oh the 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 history of the game and oh the rivalries and oh the small town college chant they don't give a shit so i that's my rant i i hate the big j journalists the blue check journalists who cover college football especially when it comes to realignment uh because during the season it's only about the college football playoff and during the realignment season it's only about the coasts and they just don't give a shit so i'm gonna move on i'm I'm going to end talking a little bit about k-state basketball before i do remember manhattan brewing company the spot for the best craft beer in the entire state of Kansas. The next time you're in Manhattan, be sure to check out the brewery, check out the tap room, and enjoy some beer straight from the source. Anywhere else in the state, be polite. Be polite, but ask and demand your local liquor store carry some four-packs in your spot as well. College basketball, really the biggest thing is the NBA draft early entrant deadline to stay in the draft is coming up at the end of the month. Um, Quietly, and I don't know if we've ever even talked about it on this show, Naquan Tomlin actually entered the NBA draft. Um, He didn't put out a big statement. Uh, Drum Tang even referenced, I think, right at the end of the season, like, hey, yeah, Naquan's going to do this. Everyone's expecting him to come back. Keontae Johnson, I, I know... Uh, There's been a lot of chatter uh, based on his announcement saying he was going to leave the option to come back to college on the table, his eligibility intact. He would have to get a waiver from the NCAA. He's showing up on mock drafts in the second round. He told Andy Katz the plan is for him to start playing professional ball, not coming back to college. I know um, some different folks covering K-State have Uh, even said at different times it might even be 50 50 I've never thought that Um, I've been hopeful I've I've daydreamed about Keontae coming back uh, but I don't see it happening I think the only chance uh, Keontae Johnson comes back is if uh, he's not cleared by the NBA Players Association if he's not cleared by the NBA doctors himself uh, themselves um and quite frankly, I want, I would love it if Keontae came back, but I would hate that. You know, I, I would hate it if he uh, was told because of his heart issue, he will never be able to play in the NBA. Um, so I hope I, 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 I don't want that to be the case. I would love it if we found a way for him to come back to K-State. I don't see it. He's being mock draft in the early to mid second round. Uh, so that will be something to watch here in the couple, next coming weeks. Uh, Naquan Tomlin's official announcement that he's back and hell he might not even announce it he he might have already pulled out and someone just needs to uh, you know check with the NBA um, he was always expected to come back but it will be something to keep an eye on with Keontae and it will be something to keep an eye on when it comes to some of these other guys the transfer portal has closed there is nobody who can enter the transfer portal outside of grad transfers now There's grad transfers entering the portal every single day still. Uh, K-State has three spots to fill still. I don't know who it's going to be. Jerome Tang preaches patience, and we saw what happened last year. Again, I'm a little nervous. Um, Maybe I'll learn my lesson. You know, if if he finds three legit big-time players uh, to come in all after this deadline closing – then hell, this time next year, I probably won't be nervous if we still have three spots open. Um, but I am a little nervous. Luckily, again, we saw almost every guy that we brought in last year um, outside of, I, I guess what, it would have been Cam Carter, uh, Colbert, Thomas, and Tomlin. So four out of the 12 were not grad transfers. May, ah, that actually might not be right. I can't remember, but there will be players to go after. There will be more grad transfers who hop in. There's grad transfers currently going through or graduates who are going through the NBA process who could pop in. Um, It'll be something to keep an eye on. Again, you have 10 players. Um, He he was saying during the catbacker events, he feels that they can compete and they can be an NCAA tournament team with just those 10 players. I'm nervous. You're asking a lot 
of true freshmen. You're asking a lot of two guys who redshirted last year. Um, you're, you're asking for a lot of health. Uh, so I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous with just these 10 guys. They, I think they can make it to the NCAA tournament. Um, Jerome Tang and his coaching staff, some of the best coaches in college basketball. So if that was the case, yeah, I think they can make the NCAA tournament, but you know, pardon the pun or, you know, calling back to this Jerome Tang's kind of elevated our standards. So if you want to talk about, you know, making some noise in the big 12 instead of being a bubble team and Hey, making it to the second weekend again, you know, Jerome Tang becoming the first coach since Jack Hartman to get K-State to the second weekend uh, multiple times Um, because Kruger didn't do it. Frank Martin didn't do it. Bob Huggins never made the tournament. Bruce never did it. Um, So, you know, that's kind of the the elevated standard now. Drum Tank did exactly what he said he was going to do. So I, I think you need to find some more guys. Uh, I think you need to find some real difference makers, some dudes, as he likes to say it, uh, if I think we're going to uh, be contenders for that second weekend. Granted, I was talking, hey, bubble, 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 um, until we got Keontae, and then I said, hey, we're going to be in the NCAA tournament. No part of me ever thought that uh, we were going to be a second weekend team last year. So what do I know? Absolutely nothing. Uh, But I talk into this microphone, you know, close to an hour, uh, you know, once, twice, three, four, five times a week. Uh, So you guys all know my opinions on that type of stuff. Um, Final news uh, that that I wanted to talk about. Uh, We've seen some rumors, some rumors uh, of K-State playing USC in Las Vegas to start the uh, basketball season next year on the very first day versus Bronny James and a very uh, highly thought of uh, you know, freshman class coming in uh, to play at USC. Like, Bronny James is like the third best player that they, they brought in. Um, possibly playing USC to start the season in Las Vegas. We have not seen that uh, confirmed. We have not seen that announced. And we haven't even seen national folks bring that up. I want to give a shout-out to Tim Fitzgerald of Go Powercat, who uh, said that uh, uh, to keep an eye out. When, when, when that was a, uh, a, not announced when it was, uh, reported by I think John Rothstein, Rothstein, uh, who's the ultimate college basketball insider. Uh, he said, K-State fans should keep an eye on this. And then he's subsequently hinted that, yeah, he's hearing K-State could be that opponent. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. Um, they announced a home and home series with LSU starting next year in Baton Rouge. Uh, so I think uh, that would leave five games open based on what has already been announced and reported. Um, and that that's not counting the, the uh, Las Vegas game. Um, and I've also heard rumors that there could be another power five home and home se- or power six in basketball, another power home and home series announced that would be starting in Bramlage next year. So, um, I was kind of dubious at this idea of, oh, this is going to be a uh, way different, a crazier, way more tough, high-profile non-conference schedule. I I was kind of dubious at that Um, when Jerome Tang has kind of mentioned, hey, we want to have a tougher uh, schedule. Um, But it's looking like if all these rumors turn out to be true, it definitely will be. Um, It'll be something to keep an eye on. I, I believe last year... It was late June, I believe, when the non-conference schedule was officially announced. Uh, So we'll be keeping an eye on that next month. Uh, So, yeah, that's all I have. Uh, It it feels good to be back on the mic. Um, Lots of stuff going on. Uh, We'll we'll see what next week holds. Um, There might be some big-time news that has a pod. I might have to get a guess. I might have to come up with some crazy concept. I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is we love you guys. Please check out Manhattan Brewery, uh, whether it's in Manhattan or at your local liquor store. And, yeah, I hope you guys all have a great week. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, and all the boneheads, we love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white.
Podcast Network.